Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our panel, we have Subrat Mishra. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And this week, Subrat was asking me questions about starting a podcast. So we're going to deviate, I guess. Does that make us deviants? We're going to deviate a little bit from uh, our regular talking about programming, because this is a question I get somewhat often. And I'm probably going to talk about some of the things because I'm working on some podcast training. And so I may promote that as well. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So yeah, so do you want to talk about what you want to start as far as kind of podcast, what you want to talk about, uh, you know, yeah. and then and then we can just talk about how to get it started and stuff like that. Yeah, I think as you know, I have a YouTube channel. So uh, what mm -hmm. I'm uh, trying to do now is instead of making only programming related video, like solution related video, I want to do a video podcast with uh, people who have developed those solutions or developed some packages and trying to be mm -hmm. with them so on the surface it lo looks like we'll call them have a podcast but uh, once i just try to little dig into it like it's uh, become difficult like getting them how to schedule all the things so i think you mm -hmm. i think you are the best person you are doing this for i think uh, i know when i know internet you are doing that one so <laughs> doing the podcast so <laughs> i have very you are a pretty pretty good player uh, in podcast so i think that i thought like it is uh, the best one i have opportunity to talk with you so i'm asking what what to do on a programming point of view if I'm, i think it will the podcast will be different according to the audience if, right. our, if our audience is uh, programming audience so it will be the test will be different the uh, structure should be different than the normal mm -hmm. like uh, entertainment podcast i think like so what to do on basically on the programming podcast basically right so when you say you want to start a podcast it sounds like you want to interview people are you going to be posting the video on youtube or are you going yes. to be putting the audio on an rss feed or because typically with podcasts when, when i talk to people about podcasting it's usually audio only and it usually goes on an rss feed so, so what i'm planning is uh, anyhow i'm recording the video i'll just extract mm -hmm. the audio from that and put in the rss feed as well right Okay, sounds good. And that, that's a pretty common way to do it. So let's just start kind of at the, the fundamentals, right? So you have a new show. So for podcasts, you need artwork. The artwork should be 2800 by 2800 pixels. A lot of people advocate for, hey, you know, people like to see faces, put your face on it. I'm not one of those people. So on your artwork, my opinion is, is unless you're a celebrity, right? <laughs> so if I were Joe Rogan, right? And he has the Joe Rogan experience, put his face on it. 
because he's mm-hmm. Joe Rogan and people know who he is. You know, nobody outside of the programming communities know who I am. And so we name the shows other stuff, right? Because people are more likely to stumble onto it because they want to get the content than because they necessarily want to listen to me. And I'm, I'm guessing you're in the same boat. I don't know, maybe you're a mega celebrity and I just don't know it, but I don't think so. so. <laughs> no, 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 you're correct. So, so yeah. And typically I just use 99 designs, cost me a couple hundred dollars. And I almost always get something really, really good. Now, there are a bunch of people out there that do podcast artwork, and you can find them online. I know some people have had pretty good luck with Fiverr or Upwork. And so those are options as well. Or if you just know somebody who's a solid designer, right? Yeah. The other thing is, and if you go look at some of the other shows that we have on uh, Top End Devs, like I'm thinking React Roundup, Views on View, Adventures in .NET. Those those shows don't have as engaging artwork as, say, Adventures in Angular or JavaScript Jabber. And the reason is, is because they just kind of have a background graphic with the name of the show on it, right? Views on View has the View logo on it. But for the most part, that's, the, that's another thing to just consider is that you want it to be engaging, right? You want it to communicate something. If you can put something on it that indicates, you know, for example, if you're talking about tech and interviewing people, if it can give some indication that it's related to tech, a lot of times that'll help. But even that's not necessary if your title communicates what the show's about. So give it a good title. Make sure you can get the domain name for that title and then set all that stuff up. I mean, that that's kind of the, fir- the first couple things you need to do. And then you need to find a place to host it and have a website for it. Your website could, though, if you have a YouTube channel, if they mm-hmm. click through to get inf- more information about the episode, you could have it go to a YouTube video right where you have the video version and then the show notes are essentially the description in youtube i haven't seen too many people do that but you can do it you can also just embed the video into wherever you're hosting your website yep so for hosting you you are using any any third party provider or you have uh, hosted it to yourself so i have a sponsorship arrangement with cashfly which is a cdn and so we host all of our stuff there that's not cost effective for most people if they're going to pay for cashfly because it's rather expensive cdn right so i recommend to people a couple of different host hosting options one that i really like is and and it depends a little bit on whether or not you want how much you want your hosting provider to do for you so libsyn for example if you're just want them to host the audio files and that's it libsyn's a good option right now libsyn does offer hosting the website for you too but it is this really funky installation of wordpress that's kind of hard to deal with and so i don't recommend them if you're gonna if you need the website too if you need the website then i would go with a transistor.fm or uh, fireside.fm or something like that right and then you can put in all the stuff on the website up until this week all of our shows were on fireside.fm and then they they came to me and they basically told me hey javascript jabber got way big and it's costing us more bandwidth than we anticipated so we're going to charge you more money and they were going to charge me about what it costs to host top end devs anyway okay (laughs) and so i figured hey you know what i'm just going to consolidate the two because i don't think it'll cost me that much more to just run it on DigitalOcean. and at that Mm -hmm. point i had already basically built in all the podcasting features on top end devs so i'm actually migrating the shows right now and uh onto something that I've custom built, but that's not something I recommend for most people. And just to clarify, the reason I don't recommend it is because I have to do the maintenance on it, right? So if something breaks, I have to fix it. 
if there's a performance issue, I have to track it down, right? I'm, I'm kind of the, the person that has to handle that stuff. The, the, the trade-off is, is that, and then the reason that I'm doing it is because I run a podcast network, right? So we're hosting a dozen shows every week. And so I need things that stuff like fireside.fm and some of the other providers just don't give you because they're all set up for kind of individual shows. And, you know, I want to be able to cross promote the shows. I want to be able to promote courses and workshops and we have them coming up. You know, I want to put information into the conference for the conferences and they pretty much control the, the layout and stuff for your website. But mm-hmm. if you're just doing one show, you don't need to do any of the cross promotion. You just have the occasional sponsor. You know, you want show notes, then those options work pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So one more question. Like, uh, like uh, I think I heard about some some RSS. So how you uh, deal with RSS feed? Like you upload somewhere and it will be all all you know, like push all, uh, your RSS feed to all podcast provider like Spotify or Apple Podcast or something. So there are providers that do that. One of them is Anchor.fm. Don't use Anchor. Because, mm-hmm. well, there are a couple of issues. For They're owned by Spotify. I don't know if a lot of people know that. And you can host on Anchor for free. Mm-hmm. And they'll automatically post your feed. Well, if you ask them to, they'll post your feed to the various podcast networks. The problem is that they do that under their account and not yours. And so if you ever need to reclaim your podcast, a lot of times it gets a little bit hairy and you have to email their support and you have to fight to kind of get control back of your show. And it's just not worth it. So, and it doesn't take very long to submit your show to any of the podcast networks. So once you have it out there on an RSS feed and, you know, all these different places provide it, if you want to just use Libsyn and then do, you know, WordPress or your own custom front end, most of the most of the custom systems, like if you're using Ghost or I'm trying to think some of the other providers, if you found a way to host it on Medium, they all provide RSS feeds, right? Or they have a plugin that'll provide it for you, okay? Even some of the other ones like Gatsby. What's the one for Angular? It's uh, dang, Scully. So if you're using Scully, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a plugin that allows you to have RSS feeds. And if not, you can build it in because it's just XML. It's not that complicated. Yep, yep. So yep, once yep. you have the RSS feed... It only takes a minute to submit to each of these places, right? You set up your Apple account and you submit it to podcastconnect.apple.com. You get on Spotify, you go to podcasters.spotify.com, you sign up or sign in if you already have a Spotify account and you submit your RSS feed, right? And it's the same for all the rest of them. Uh, the ones you want to definitely be on to maximize your reach and, and, there's a whole debate in the podcasting community about how to feel about some of these. But the ones that seem to be the biggest players are Apple, Google, Amazon, and Spotify. And so if you're in those four places, you're very likely to get some traction. Now, for our community, you know, I've, I've submitted them everywhere. So I've also submitted to like iHeartRadio. I'm trying to remember there are a handful of other sort of music aggregators of some kind that you can submit them to. One that's fairly big, I, as I understand it, in India is Ghana, G-A-A-N-A. Yes. It's a music app, but they, they'll run podcasts, and so all of our podcasts are in there, right? So if you know where your audience is at and you know they use something to listen to stuff, then you can submit it to their directories. One thing to keep in mind is if you submit it to Amazon, then you, show, you can show up in the Amazon Music app and you also show up in the Audible app when they look up podcasts. So that's the deal there, right? But yeah, a lot of the rest of the... Oh, and you want to submit it to the podcast index. Podcast 
index.org. And basically, if we're getting down to brass tacks, effectively, the difference is, is that podcastindex.org was an answer to Apple's podcast directory Mm -hmm. because most of the apps out there actually just pull their information off of Apple. I guess the Google Play doesn't and some of the other ones don't. But the difference is, is that podcast index and more apps are starting to use podcast index. There was an issue and I can't remember. There was some controversial talk show hosts here in the U.S. I think it was Alex Jones. I can't remember. But Apple decided that they didn't like what he was saying, so they pulled him out of the, their directory. And so the uh, Adam Curry and a bunch of other folks, Adam Curry's the guy that invented podcasting, created Podcast Index as kind of a way to say, hey, look, this is a, an open place where you can submit your podcasts and you don't have to worry about getting censored or anything. And so it's, it's a terrific place to go and post your show. And since more apps are starting to use it, you're starting to need to be there. So yeah, so that that's the other place I'd submit it. Yes, I think all are one-time work. Like after the RSS feed is done, you just need to give her feed and they will pull. Mm-hmm. Yep, you give them the feed and they'll pull the title and the artwork and everything else off of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Like uh, I think the main, I think these these are the uh, maybe artwork, maybe the one one of the hardest thing to do. But 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 I think the main part is after you set up all these things. Now, one now once you have uh, contacted two three guests who will come, mm-hmm. come and speak with you. Now the problem is how to organize the doubling. I know how right how we are doing here and how you are uh, eventing. So it will, if we can di- discuss on that, right? So because we run so many shows, we kind of systemize things and it makes it a lot easier. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to do this for just one show. But let's talk through it, right? So. One of the first things I would do is if you're going to have guests and you need to decide on your format too. I didn't mention that. You know, some people they're doing a five minute, here's a quick tip, right? And that it's just them, right? And then they submit those. They also put them out as uh, Alexa briefs and, you know, so you can, you can kind of get away with some stuff there too. But if your format has guests, right, you need to know how you're going to record it. Now here at Top End Devs, we're using Riverside.fm. I think it's like 19 bucks a month. They're forcing me to upgrade because we record way more hours, right? Because we have 12 shows. We record way more hours than our current account permits, right? And they've been pretty gracious letting us kind of skate, but they're not letting us skate anymore. So I'm going to be upgrading. The nice thing about upgrading is that it will allow me to set up more accounts and it'll also allow us to record simultaneously, right? So right now we're only allowed to record one show at a time. And that's been an issue a few times, basically because, you know, if one of the shows wants to record at a different time, they have to check with us and make sure that that spot's open, right? So that they can hit record and the right thing will happen. And not to put too fine a point on it, but I think it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday. It might've been last week. No, it was, it was last week when we recorded the show. Views on View had changed their time just for last week to get one of their, you know, accommodate one of their guests. Mm-hmm. And they they scheduled it for right after the show, but they got on early and tried to start recording and it wouldn't record because we, we had our recording on. And so that would be nice just to be able to say, well, just pick whatever time you want, right? And then also not worry about overlapping the different shows unless they both have an overlap on hosts or guests, right? So that's one thing. But Riverside, the reason that I like Riverside is that it records each of us on our own channel. And it is pretty automatic, right? You just have your guest get on in, on their browser so they don't have to install anything. And it records a high fidelity version locally 
And so I may hear you and it might be a little bit muddy because of the internet or whatever, right? But it's recording it, since it's recording it on your end, it can record a high quality version because it's just writing it to your hard drive and then it'll send it up later. So, you know, as we're recording just for the listener, it actually shows uh, Sue Brat and I, and it says that I'm 99% uploaded and so is he because it uploads as we go, right? We had an issue with Dan Shapiro on JavaScript Jabber where his internet just wouldn't handle the upstream traffic of recording and do the simultaneous upload without it basically overwhelming his internet connection. And then we couldn't hear him, right? He'd cut in and out. And, you know, it's recording a high fidelity version locally, but if we can't understand him, we can't have a show. And so there's another option to actually pause the upload while we're recording. And then as soon as we end the call, right, as soon as I hit stop, the stop button, then it did start uploading for him. And so, okay. you know, just stuff to be aware of, but it it's pretty automatic for the guests and you can just give them a guest link. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. So, so that's one thing. If you record on Zoom, it all goes on one track and the audio quality isn't as good. So if you're starting out for free and you don't want to pay for Riverside, you can use Zoom. And we did that for quite a long time. Just bear in mind that it won't sound as clean. Um, Zoom Cloud is not free, right? Or it's free? Which one? Uh, like uh, Zoom. I think Zoom is free for two person. Like uh, if more than two yeah. people there. It's not. Yeah, it's free for two people up to 40 minutes or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, so I like Riverside. There are other ones. Squadcast is another one that works kind of the same way. And I know one of their founders because he listens to JavaScript Jabber. I ran to him at a podcasting conference. But yeah, so that's one thing. The other thing is, is we use Schedule Once to book our guests, right? So we tell it when we want to record. Now we record at the same time every week, right? So when they get on, mm-hmm. they only see, you know, for the shows, they only see Thursdays, right? But if you're if you're the only host and you can record with your guests anytime, then you just hook it up to the schedule that you want to work off of, tell it when you're available to record. And the nice thing is, is then it will send them a calendar invite and you can tell it and these are the recording details, right? So you can say, uh, join us on Riverside, right? And that works out pretty nicely. A few other things that we do that you don't necessarily have to do or you can do over email. Uh, one of them is, is we have a collaboration forum with our guests. And so they can go and they can jump on there and they can actually give us more information to prepare on. Some guests do, some guests don't. They get a couple of reminders to do it, but you know, mm-hmm. you can't always count on that. I, I find that it makes for better shows because we have some idea. You know, we can go and make sure that we're up on the latest stuff and we can help explain things. But I'm using Discourse for that. <laughs> and yeah, I've just installed it. So the way that I did it is DigitalOcean has uh, basically templates for their various server offerings. And so and I can't remember what it's called. It's app something or other. But you can go and actually just pick Discourse and just deploy a Discourse and it'll it'll set it all up for you. So then you just, you have to be on the command line. And when you sign in on the command line, it'll ask you, okay, what's the domain for the forum? What's the name of the forum? Who's the admin, right? And then you go sign in as the admin and you can finish setting it up. It doesn't take very long. And then the rest of what's hooking things up, and you don't have to do all this for a podcast. I just want to, you know, outline this, right? You don't have to do all this for a podcast. If you want to email your guests, have them schedule something on schedule once, and then, you know, just email them any other questions or details. You can totally do that. We're do we're doing the automation because I have a virtual assistant in Philippines. We're running 12 shows 
and it's just mm-hmm. easier to have the right thing happen automatically, right? Yes, and we're actually using so, so. what was that? You have a lot of source, so I think uh, to make yeah. automation make sense. If someone's yep. starting with the one source, he's the only one to yeah record, so that doesn't matter. Yeah, for a while we used Zapier to do the automation. Now we're using um, Make.com. I like Make.com a little bit better just because it gives you kind of a visual walkthrough of the process, and it allows you to branch your automations and stuff like that then zapier doesn't but that said i mean you can use either one so the nice thing is is yeah you just hook it up to your schedule once or calendly or whatever and then you tell it hey this is the stuff that i want to happen so for us what happens is they set up they set the appointment and it immediately adds the topic to discourse and sends them an email right and the email actually comes out of podio so the other thing and i'll talk about podio in a second but it put it puts the episode into Podio so that we can keep track of where it's at. Okay, mm-hmm. and then it goes in and it it finds the calendar it finds the calendar appointment in Google Calendar and it adds because Calendly does not give you the option of saying this is an appointment for these six people, right? It's this is the calendar that this appointment's going to go on, right? And so it can be your personal Google Calendar, but for us since we have panel shows. We need to add the other panelists. And so that's the other thing that make.com is doing for us is it actually finds the appointment and it adds a little more information to it. You know, here's how you prep, stuff like that. Here's a link to your discourse topic, right? Because the forum topic is going to be different for each guest because it's a, you know, it's a different entry in the forum. And then it adds the hosts, right, is the other thing. And then when it adds it to Podio, so Podio is another system that also does automations. It has a different set of automations, and it has an, a plugin that you can use to have it automatically send out emails. Mm-hmm. And so when it gets put in to Podio, then Podio, I have a set of automations in there, and one of them emails all the guests and says, hey, you had a guest schedule an episode, and here's what it is sends an email to the host or to the, did I say guests or host? It emails both. It sends one email to the host and one email to the guests and just says, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're good to have you show up. And then a week before the episode, it'll send another email if it's been scheduled more than a week out. And it'll say, hey, this is the episode coming up next week. Here's the forum document, right? And it prompts the guest to go fill it out and the host to go look at it. And then it does it the day before as well. And so all of that happens. And then when we're done recording here, if I take the, because Riverside will give me a link to where you can get the recordings. If I copy that link and I put it into Podio, then it will move it along from um, record and make market as recorded and all that stuff. So, so that's how all that works. One other thing we're doing in Podio is we have on each show a, an invites like a host or guest invite. And Michaela just goes through the different, uh, newsletters and stuff or Reddit or, you know, whatever. She has a handful of places that she she looks. And then she takes all the articles that she finds in there. So any blog posts or podcast episodes or things like that, she takes those and she sticks them into Podio. And then our hosts can go in and they can click accept. And if they accept that topic, then it will automatically, because she fills in the email address for the author, it will automatically send them an email and invite them on the show. So that's another piece of that. But that's that's effectively how we think have things set up. If I were starting just one podcast and I was just doing it myself, 
I would do almost all this just myself over email, right? I'd email them and ask them if they want to come on the show, you know, just let them know, hey, it's a new show. We're going to be talking about this kind of a thing. The interviews go about like this. And we'd love to have you on the show. If you're interested, here's the link to Calendly or whatever. Go sign up. And then from there, I would just have some back and forth so that we know how it's going to flow and how it's going to work. And, you know, go do a little bit of extra research myself so that when we jump on the show, I'm ready to talk in an informed way about whatever the topic is. And so I wouldn't do all this extra automated setup, right? We just do it because we're doing it across... 10 yeah, shows I and think, it's a bunch of work yeah i think if someone can keep this in mind and when when they will become bigger mm-hmm. like you are uh then they they will can follow all these things right because i'm i'm trying to manage an economy of scale and mm-hmm. not overwhelm my va and so that you know it's a different story but yeah so at this point we have somebody by the way you should you should hire out your editing mm-hmm. you know it's it's decent to know how to do it yourself and to understand the fundamentals of that is not hard but mm-hmm. your editor will do a much better job than you will. And they're really not terribly expensive. In the U.S., I think U.S. editors are a little more expensive. I think the numbers I've heard is anywhere from 100 to $300 an episode, assuming your episode's like a half hour to an hour. Obviously, if it's shorter, they, they'll probably do it for less. I will admit my editor is in Philippines, and I don't pay him as much per episode. But he does a terrific job, and we have an arrangement that works for him and works for me, right? And so, you know, just going overseas has saved us some money. But what I'm saying is, if it is a long term contract, also that can you can negotiate as well. If you know right. that on every week you are producing a one time, they may charge more. But mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep in mind that, at least in my case, I try and keep in mind that, you know, I want him to feel like he's being compensated fairly. I want him to feel like I'm taking care of him. You know, any other needs that he has or concerns that he has, make sure that we're you know, on top of a lot of the stuff that we need to basically, I want him to be as happy as possible working for me. And yeah, I mean, part of the reason I picked Philippines is because I couldn't afford somebody here in the US. So mm-hmm. that is something to think about. But yeah, I don't want it to come across that you're trying to take advantage of anybody because if you're doing that, you're not going to hold on to them long term, yeah, you know, the, the humans on the other end too. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So, I mean, that's most kind of the technical and manage, managing setup. And then, yeah, the other thing you want to do with your guests is you want to reach out to them afterward and say, hey, the episode went live. Here it is. Here's how to share it, get them to post it to their social channels and yeah. kind of see where things go from there. So so that's the other thing that I would uh, encourage you to do, because that makes a lot of difference. Because effectively, the ways that you grow are word of mouth and discoverability. And so if you have a guest that is posting to their social media, they're going to put your show in front of people that you're not reaching. Yeah. 
And then the other way, and this is probably the most effective way to grow your show is to start going on other people's podcasts, right? So, so for in your case, right, you know, you launch your show, I would expect you the next week to come on this show and say, Hey, I'm doing this other thing over here. Here's what we've been talking about. And my first guest is this person, right? Because it gives people and an, the desire to go and check it out, right? And then get a guest appearance on somebody else's show and do the same thing, right? So you, you provide a ton of value throughout the episode. And then at the end, you say, well, hey, I have a podcast too, and you can go get it here, right? And so you can start driving people to your show because mm-hmm. it's easier to pull people in who already listen to episode or to podcasts because they know that they can just pick up their phone, hit the add a podcast button on their podcast player and subscribe to your show. Whereas if it's somebody that hasn't done that before, then you have to try and explain to them, well, you have to have an app and then you go into the app and you do this and this. And so, yeah, so if you're trying to capture people already listen to podcasts, that's usually pretty easy. And what I've seen some people do is they just send an email out and say, hey, I'd like to be on your show. That tends to not work as well. The two approaches that I see that work are, I saw that you covered this topic and this other topic is a natural follow on to that topic, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would like to come on and I would like to do that topic with you Mm. and see if I can help your podcast listeners understand this concept, right? And then the the way that that comes back around is then you're adding value. You're offering to add value. Honestly, the easiest way to get on people's podcasts is to meet them in person, but that's not always possible. The other way that I've seen it work is if they have a show and now you have a show Mm. is you can reach out to them and say, hi. I'm so-and-so, I have this show, we talk about these things, you offer a topic, just like I said, but then you offer to have them on your show as well. And that just sweetens the pot because most people understand that that helps them get exposure for their show too. And even if you're a brand new show, if you continue to release episodes, and I'm episode like five, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people go back and listen to past episodes. And so even if you only have 20 or 30 listeners now, if you grow to a few hundred later, most of those few hundred will also hear me. So it's it's worth going on the newer shows. And most podcasters are pretty aware of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a pretty, pretty good insight, like how to basically uh, call someone or to ask mm-hmm. for a podcast. But one more question is like, I think I, I know how you are doing for the Ask a Guest, but mm-hmm. like, okay, I think I think Mikhail is going through the tops like Reddit or any blog post and then mm-hmm. you are mailing. I think that's how I got the invite yeah. as a guest. Uh, yeah, I think for this show, she goes through Angular in depth and then invites the authors. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like that's uh, uh, that's a good way also. Like mm-hmm. by going through the uh, and ask them. It yep. I think may not be all will reply, but at least uh, yeah, ten percent or twenty percent people will reply and try to be on the show. Yeah, if you're doing a weekly show, though, I mean, you only need four or five people a month to say yes. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing is, is if you can carry the show on your own, or you know, kind of what we're doing here, you know, where it's both of us. You know, if Armin had been here, you know, we could loop him into. It's not it's not a bad thing to not have a guest and just talk to your audience directly. So Yeah, one person only you can yeah. Okay. I think sometimes you have uh, those kind of episodes as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And I'm putting together a show where it's just gonna be me and I'm gonna be talking about the top end devs method for building the career you want. Yeah. I keep wanting to say build the career of your dreams, but that feels a little bit cliche. So <laughs> I gotta find a better way to put it. But effectively, yeah, you know, I'm gonna be talking about the the systems frameworks and methods that you 
you have to advance your career, right? And I'll probably bring in some guests for some of the areas that I don't know as well. You know, for example, I'm not a big time blogger. I mean, I understand a lot of the concepts, but, you know, it might make sense to bring in somebody who has kind of made their name blogging or I'm not a well-known author, you know, and so I may bring in Bob Martin or somebody and say, all right, if I want to advance my career by writing books, what do I need to know, right? So I can get him or Kent Beck or somebody else, you know, so you kind of get the idea that, that that's kind of the approach that I, I might take, but for the most part, I'm going to be talking on my own. And, and that works too. And that's back to that format, right? Are you going to have one co-host? Are you going to have a whole bunch of people on? Do you want to have it kind of lighthearted where you're sitting around and just half the show is you guys just joking with each other and the other half is actually talking about Angular or whatever your topic is? Or do you want to just get down to business and just talk about stuff? Because all the, all these different approaches work. It just attracts a different listener is, is the thing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think basically in India nowadays it started that uh, what people are doing is everybody want to go into the podcast mode and mm-hmm. uh, uh, what I see in some, some channel like topic is not consistent like they, they used to go and pick up multiple hosts. I think that's also makes sense mm-hmm. like I think it's on different variety of topic but as, as we are discussing for programming I think it will be good. What according to my thought, it will be good to focus on a, a particular right. stream, or that will be like your audience will know that okay, this is the go-to one if I want to. Like for uh, think of JavaScript, I always go and check JavaScript Java, right? Every day while I'm going to gym, so that's the uh, good mm-hmm. one for me. Uh, right, so. and what you're looking for there is just to provide a certain level of consistency, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're all over the place with your show, it makes it really hard for people to to stick around, right? So if, if you're interviewing guests, the regular host is the consistency, right? If you're constantly joking around and, and you have that back and forth banter and you're doing all that stuff, then again, you know, it should generally have the same flavor week to week, right? So the people mm-hmm. know what they're getting. If you do something different too often, it really messes with people's ability to identify with the show. And then you also want to make sure that your content is consistently relevant for the audience that you're trying to reach, right? So you can go off on tangents, right? Like this, you know, not everybody's going to want to start a podcast, but we're anchoring the show because people know us because we've been on the other shows. And this is a topic that some of our audience will definitely be interested in. And so we can kind of branch out a little bit. But if if for some reason programmers were just not podcast listeners, period, the end, right? Mm-hmm. Then we'd probably want to pick a different topic, right? And not mm-hmm. do this one because it's just not going to pull that many people in. Yeah, that makes sense. I think I think the one more, I think yeah, the most, I think for some people, it will be a pretty important thing as well. I know how monetization work in uh, YouTube and how we can deal with people, but how it is, it's working podcasting paradigm. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch that. What I, I was asking is uh, monetization in terms in, in podcast. Oh, monetizing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So most of our shows are monetized through sponsorship. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm kind of ramping that up now. For newer shows, it's a little harder, right? Because effectively, companies want to put a certain amount of money down and then get a certain ROI. And they don't want to do a ton of work in the middle, right? So, I mean, that's that's part of why things like Facebook ads and stuff appeal to them, right? It's because, you know, they put the money down, they have somebody design an ad, and then they just watch it run and see if it's working, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, for podcasts, you have to have a certain level of reach in order to make it worth it. Now, that's not to say that you have to be a huge show in order to get sponsorship. So just to give an example, I coached a guy that started his own Flutter podcast, right? And there were like two Flutter podcasts out there in the world. One had quit publishing and the other one was still super tiny, right? And so he was pretty quickly, you know, one of the bigger shows in the niche. And so even though he only had a few hundred listeners, he could have gotten sponsorships because he's the only show in town, right? And so they, you know, they come a sponsor. The other thing is, is that, you know, you'll attract the community. And while you attract the community, you're, you're getting really, really targeted on, you know, how you bring those people in. And so, yeah. So in that case, you know, it, it makes sense, even if you only have a few hundred listeners. And I say only, but 90, probably, I think it's like 95% of shows don't even have 500 listeners, right? It's, it's the other shows that even get past that up toward a thousand or more. So 300 is, is a decent size show, right? Decent size podcast audience. So don't get discouraged by those numbers either. Yep. Some of our shows, like this show has 2000 or so listeners. JavaScript Jabber has like 15,000 listeners. Mm-hmm. So they do get bigger, but it's, it's a different game there finding sponsorship. So the other way you can do it, and this is where I see a lot of other people monetizing is by selling some other product, right? So you can offer a course, you can write a book, you can put together, you know, short lessons, you can, I've seen people do like a subscription service where they get a video or two a week, you can do a premium version of the podcast where you release an extra episode. Hero.fm is a, a system that does that. There are a couple of other ones. Mm-hmm. Smartcast, another one that does it. Hero.fm is the one that I recommend just because they they charge you a flat fee for your account and then you can have as many subscribers as you want. Uh, Smartcast, they take a percentage of every subscriber, paid subscriber, okay. which doesn't matter when you're small and will save you money, but in the long run will co- wind up costing you if you get a lot. Uh, I see people monetize on Patreon and they provide bonus stuff yeah, on there. There's a show out there called No Agenda and they, they, they say they're a news deconstruction podcast. They delve into politics and stuff like that. So I'm just warning folks that it might not be your political cup of tea, right? <laughs> but I recommend if you're looking for a monetization strategy to go listen to them and see how theirs works. Because what they do is they basically solicit donations from their audience in a value for value proposition is the way that they do it. So it's sort of kind of like Patreon, except you just go and you just donate and then you can request that they read something or, you know, they have a bunch of sound effects and so play a series of sound effects on their show, right? And you get producer credit for being on the show and stuff like that. So, you know, their model's a little bit different, but very interesting. So there are a lot of ways to do it. On your smaller shows, though, you know, or your newer shows, you know, you're probably looking for value for value or Patreon or something like that. One of my mom's cousins just launched her show and, you know, she she put it on Patreon and was immediately making a few hundred dollars. Right. And she's talking about religion. So yeah. it, it just it just depends. But yeah, Patreon's a model that a lot of people understand. The problem with a lot of these, though, Patreon value for value is that you have to go out and you have to you have to sell people on donating to your show. Right. Mm-hmm. If you put together a course or, you know, something else that people can buy, then, you know, you've already convinced them you're an expert because of listening to your show. So that gets a little bit easier because then you're actually offering offering them something they want in exchange for their money. So then you just have to make sure it's a good fit for your audience. Mm-hmm. So 
I think also once you have some viewer and uh, download size, it will be decent. I think sponsor will also contact you or mm-hmm. it's always you. we need to contact the sponsor. It It's both. I have a I have had quite a number of people con- contact me. So, okay. yeah, yeah, it does happen. Most of the sponsors that I found back in 2019, I was at a conference like every every other week. Mm-hmm. And so I would just walk through the expo floor and talk to people. And so I, I got in contact with a lot of companies that way. And so that was fairly effective. So again, you know, back to meeting people, if you can meet people in person than that. Yeah, that's the best way. You know, it, it seems to work better. But again, you can't always do that. So then you're emailing them and calling them and trying to get some kind of time to talk to them about what they're trying to do and how what you're doing plays into that. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's like, a, uh, I think for, for starter, it's not... Uh, what I can say is just uh, go to start. For, for, for my case, I think uh, I will more focus. I'll, I'll not be much focused on monetization side from mm-hmm. uh, audio podcast where I already had uh, YouTube video video one. So from there, anyhow, YouTube is giving something, but that's that's not much. So till now, I think if I remember from video, I just got a single single sponsor long back. Mm-hmm. And that too for a, they have application of uh, PWA. They are hosting all PWAs in the right. application so for that i got a sponsor i just started that mm-hmm. rather i'm also not contacting any sp- sponsor or the thought of i'm just putting video whenever i want so I, right i thought like it's time to be a little bit serious and i'll try to schedule all the recordings and all those things then i'll slowly mm-hmm. i think i haven't crossed i will cross sometime after about 10 10,000 subscriber maybe mm-hmm. for youtube it's very less I think getting getting ten thousand subscribers is pretty less, but yeah, yeah. How I think programming also, you have programming and very niche sector you have right. uh, less uh, less audience, but mm-hmm. but if you are get, giving some value, that's the most important thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and one other thing that I'd encourage people if they're starting a podcast is just know what you want from it. Right? Are you yes. looking to meet people and have conversations or? Are you trying to sell a product? Are you trying to become more well-known? I mean, none of these are wrong. I think a lot of times people try and put some kind of value on doing it just for the art. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's it's easier to do long-term if you're getting something out of it that you're looking for. And so if you can get an idea of what that is, then then that really helps. When When I started the shows, you know, I just wanted to start a podcast. And I thought it'd be cool and it was fun. But after a while, yeah, I needed to feed my family. And so then it was, and I want to make money at it, right? So then it, then I started selling the sponsorships and stuff like that. So it kind of became both. So yeah, at this point, you know, I'm kind of on a mission to help people realize that they control their career and they can, you know, there's specific things they can do to kind of position themselves so that they can get what they want from their career. But yeah, and so, you know, in service of that, that's what I'm after. I mean, you know, again, I have to make some money in order to, you know, pay the bills. So there's that too. But anyway, so just just know what you want, right? Yeah. And and that way you can kind of maximize for it, right? So if you're looking to make money at it, then you've got to figure out how to grow your audience and grow an audience that people will pay for access to, right? Or if you're looking to sell a course, right? It's like, well, I want to make this course and I want to do this and this. Well, then build the build your podcast so that you'll attract the audience that will buy your course right mm-hmm. so so anyway it's it's that kind of a thing yeah, yeah. and so it, it also makes sense initially it uh, 
for about my youtube one initially i started to learn something like what, what i'm reading mm-hmm. i'm just uh, uh, giving that and slowly i learned a lot through the questions people mm-hmm. ask in the comment yep and now also i'm earning a little bit from that and mainly youtube helped me on a lot of my interviews also in job interviews they right. saw in my resume that youtube is there so they will go and ask me about mm-hmm. so uh, from what, one hour it will take uh, 10 minutes so you have less less questions <laughs> on this that yeah that's another help yeah yeah that was one thing especially early in my career when i was trying to find a job yeah i would tell people about my video series or my podcast series and mm-hmm. that made it a lot easier to get those jobs because yeah it, you know i'd walk out the door they'd go look at something that i'd put out there and go oh well he obviously knows what he's doing mm, yes so yeah that's pretty cool so any 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 other advice like if uh, someone is trying to uh, start something like uh, i think you are also tra- trying to g- give a coach on top and depths right uh, if someone is career on yeah. podcast so it will be on podcast as well or or for all right people. so Top end devs, I'm going to be putting together courses on advancing your career and things like that. Eventually, I do plan on putting up a course podcasting for programmers. It's not going to be, it's not going to be everything, but it's going to be enough for you to get your show started and get it growing. I have another website that I'm working on. It's called Podcast Playbook. That's at podcastplaybook.com. And I'm doing the same kind of thing I'm doing for top end devs, except for, for podcasters, right? So I'm going to have a series on growing your show and a series on uh, monetizing and courses on different forms of monetizing and how to set them up and, you know, that kind of a thing, how to get better sound quality from your recordings, how to edit. Next month, I'm doing a course for a bunch of people who are local here. About half of them are my sisters. But, you know, I'm going to be sitting down and teaching them how to edit shows, right? And that way they can kind of run that as a side gig. They can go find clients. You know, you kind of get the idea. But yeah, I'm going to be putting together the here's how to launch, grow and monetize your podcast. And then like on top end devs, you know, I'm putting together like Rails Remote Conf and Angular Remote Conf and stuff like that. Angular Remote Conf is going to be in November, I think. Mm-hmm. Go to topendevs.com slash conferences. You can find it. And I'm starting to invite people now, but as, as speakers. But anyway, I'm going to be doing the same thing over there, right? So I'm going to be doing like a growth summit or a monetization summit or, you know, whatever. So you kind of get the idea. I'm also working on a political one that's more along the lines of how to build a grassroots movement. And so it's going to some of the same stuff. So, you know, at the end of the day, that that's kind of the, the idea, though. And so you can see my monetization strategy is to build courses put on workshops, put on conferences, kind of have those kinds of products that people want, um, put on meetups, online meetups. And uh, yeah, just make that all work. So anyway, so that's kind of the approach that, that I'm taking there. So yeah, a pretty cool lot of information. I think is a pretty va- valuable one for me, at least when I will start. Yeah, good deal. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, one other thing I do want to make sure that I mention is that yeah. you need you don't need like this microphone that I'm using. Yeah, is the Electro Voice RE20? It's like three hundred and fifty dollars. You don't need a three hundred and fifty dollar mic, but don't go buy the twenty dollar gaming mic either, right? So you know, go pick up a different mic. I really, really, really hate the Blue Yeti, but it seems like everybody buys it. It's an okay microphone, but you know there are other ones. Audio Technica makes a bunch of really terrific ones that you know will run you eighty to hundred bucks. I'm trying to think. Rode makes some good mics. Right. Yeah. So this is a dynamic mic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if yours is a dynamic mic. Yeah. I see. Um, 
So you can get a condenser mic or a dynamic mic. The difference is, is that the condenser mics work through induction. So basically you talk, there's a diaphragm in your mic, it moves back and forth. And as it moves back and forth, it moves a magnet, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I can't remember which is which. I think the, so I'm pretty sure the condenser mics, they just move that magnet, right? And if you move a magnet past a wire, you Mm -hmm. generate a current. And so that's, you know, that's the recording. For the dynamic mics, what it is, is that it works through capacitance. Yes, And so as your diaphragm moves back and forth, it basically moves one side of the capacitor back and forth. And that changes the properties of your of the current running through your microphone. And so that's that's how it records it that way. Right. And so that's how it gets different levels and stuff like that, depending on how far you compress or depress your your diaphragm in your microphone. The difference is, is that the condenser mics are more sensitive is what it really boils down to. And so the condenser mics, like, I don't know if you heard my kids yelling in the background here. You probably didn't because I have a dynamic mic, right? So you'll see a lot of music will use condenser mics because they pick up everything. Everything. Right. Now, mics also have properties as far as like where in relation to them, they pick things up better, right? So if you could see the video... You know, mine's pointed basically directly at my face. Uh, Subrots is kind of the same deal. And that's because they're set up to pick up sound in, in the that vicinity, right? And so that's another thing to understand about your mic. But right then if you're outside of that kind of ideal range, then it doesn't pick it up as well. So they use the condenser mics. Condenser mics have similar patterns as far as what they'll pick up. But you're usually in a sound-treated room where you're playing your music, Right. And so you're not going to have a lot of ambient outside noise coming in. Whereas here in a at-home podcast studio, you could, right? Or if you're recording in an office, right, you could. You can have people walk by talking, blah, blah, blah. And the dynamic mic won't pick it up as much because it's less sensitive. But if you're right up next to it, it still produces terrific sound. And, and so you get kind of the best of both worlds. Because when I say they're less sensitive, that what I'm talking about is is that it's it's definitely sensitive enough to give terrific sound for my voice, even though I have allergies, my throat scratchy, right? You know, and it does the same for for Subrat, but yeah, it's not sensitive to the the rest of the noise around the room. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, it's, it's, that's part of the reason why I don't recommend the Yeti because it's a condenser mic. Yeah, Yeti is pretty sensitive. Yeah, like uh, I think if I remember, I used Yetis once and I increased the gain. I can hear able to hear someone yeah. else's voice, which I can't uh, hear through my uh, right barriers. So it's pretty pretty sensitive. But yeah, well, and I I don't like their stand and stuff too. I like being able to mount mine on a shock mount on a boom arm, mm-hmm. and then just pull it up to my face. So, yes. but if you if you're starting out, it's cheap. You set it on your desk. I don't blame anyone for using it. It's just not my favorite mic. Yeah. For podcast is the only one. Audio is the most important thing because if the yeah. audio is bad, no one will listen to you because most of the podcast people listen while doing something like mm-hmm. uh, gymming, walking, running or cycling or something. So yep. At that time, if you give a good voice, uh, it makes sense. Yep, absolutely. Hey folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium.
All right. Well, we've been going for about an hour. I'm going to push us toward picks. Do you have some picks you want to shout out about? Yeah, I think uh, I thought like today I will uh, pick my YouTube channel because we have discussed a lot about that. So uh-huh. my channel name is uh, Fun of Heuristic. I mostly do some Angular stuff there, uh, Angular related uh, things. So currently I'm doing micro frontend. How to how to develop micro frontend and how to use different types of uh, things. And next, I'm planning to do a complete full stack application using maybe I will use Nest framework or normal Express as a backend and front end will be Angular. I'll try to collab all PWA, try to do micro front end if possible. Also, I'll go with uh, Angular Universal to server side renting. That's on pipeline. I'm trying to design the, the architecture and how to do because I think most of most of my audience are more than 25 year age. And if I, if I see most of the views are coming in weekdays that means people are watching in offices like from uh on m- monday to friday most of the views are there saturday sunday no one is reading anything and <laughs> no one is doing so i'm thinking of doing a li- little bit of advanced stop uh, stuff in in angular so that's that's what my goal is that will be the pick for this week very cool i'm gonna do some picks here i usually do a board game pick and i'm gonna pick a game that i've actually picked before mm-hmm. And the board game I'm going to pick is called Lost Ruins of Arnak. And just to give a little bit of background, I picked it back in like February because I did a, I was at a conference and I was helping people learn how to play it. But my wife got it for me for Father's Day. I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm going to pick Lost Ruins of Arnak. Uh, We did get an expansion with it, but we haven't played it yet. So I don't know if I can recommend it or not. I'm assuming it's pretty good. The game's a lot of fun. It's a 2.88 weight on Board Game Geek. Mm -hmm. And... Essentially, what that means is that it's kind of at the top end of what a casual gamer will be comfortable playing. In other words, it's kind of a complicated game. You have a couple of different tracks you can explore. You can you can collect artifacts. You can advance research. Anyway, there are a couple of different ways that you can get, get points and win. And uh, whoever has the most artifacts at the end wins. So anyway, there are a lot of different things that you can do in the game. And it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. I've really, really enjoyed the game. So yeah. So yeah. So I am going to pick that. And then I'm also going to shout out about Top End Devs. So we're moving all the podcasts over to Top End Devs. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that, even though the website is some inexplicably down right now. So I'm trying to figure that out. I just got a message that said that it was down. So, so yeah, so I'm going to pick that. And then I'm trying to think there was something else I was going to pick. And I can't remember. Oh, Angular Remote Conf is going to be in November, I think I said. Yeah. I could tell you if the website was up. <laughs> but, <laughs> in fact, let me just click over here and I can tell you. So it is going to be uh, November 14th through the 18th. And I usually invite all of our current hosts and a whole bunch of our past guests. So and it'll all be online. Uh, there will be options for you to collaborate with, you know, with with each other and go and sit and have conversations. So um, I highly encourage you to to go check that out as well. and then. I think that's it. I think those are all the picks I have. So anyway, if you have any questions or anything else, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear it. And if you want to be a host on this show, we are looking for a couple more hosts. So anyway, that's all I got. So until next time, folks, Max out. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot com to learn more.